Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Well, uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed uh, about coming to Port Macquarie uh, is the thunderstorms. Uh, In Tasmania, you don't get so many of those, pretty infrequent, but here in Port Macquarie, you get them, don't you? And my wife likes to count the gaps between the thunder and the lightning. It's not so much the kids in my family, it's it's my wife, Uh, but there's something very impressive, isn't there, about the rumble and the crack and the boom. Uh, It wakes you up, it grabs your attention, Um, even in the middle of the night. And today, as we consider this Good Friday, I want to talk to you today about the thunder of Easter. I take it that you know about the eggs and the buns and the holidays, and I love all of that. And you might know also about the cross and the tomb and the women. And I love all of that even more. But do you know about the thunder of Easter? A lot of us know the the Christmas story, and we know of the angels at Easter. And kids, you might have even dressed up as an angel at your school nativity play at Christmas time. Um, Do you remember those heavenly voices singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace? Uh, on whom God's favour rests. We know about the angels at Christmas, but do you know about the thunder of Easter? Those heavenly voices at Christmas time highlight the significance of Jesus' birth. They grab our attention. The shepherds out in the fields at night, they were stunned, weren't they? The, The angels were saying there's something big, there's something important about to happen, and they tell us the meaning and the significance of Christmas. They tell us why Jesus was born. But do you know about the thunder of Easter? Is it just a sad and tragic story that we tell with empathy and sadness? Even in the Gospels, in the Bible, when you open up the Bible and you read those four accounts of Jesus' life and death, The gospel writers just mostly tell us the story. There's not very many moments of comment or explanation. And so it's very possible that we might be coming to Easter and we know what happened, but not why. And that's why I want to tell you about the thunder of Easter. Because there is a place... And it's not often the place that we go to on Good Friday, but there is a place that tells us the meaning of Easter. And you can see it there in John chapter 12 and verses 31 and 32. Let me read from verse 27. Jesus is saying, Now my soul is troubled, I'm depressed, I'm sad. And what shall I say? He says, Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then, here it is, a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there heard it, 
and said, it is thundered. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. Can you hear the thunder of Easter? Jesus answered and said, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. You know, there are two other times uh, in Jesus' life where there was a voice that came from heaven. Do you remember those times? One of them was at his baptism as he went down into the water and came up out of the water. There was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. On the mountain of transfiguration, when Jesus went up on the mountain, again, there was this moment of voice from heaven. This is the one I love. Listen to him. But you know what? John doesn't tell us of either of those voices. The only voice from heaven, the third time there is a voice from heaven, uh, is this one, and this is the one that John tells us about, the thunder of Easter. It signals that something extraordinary was about to happen. It signals that the long-awaited hour in John's Gospel, which has been, we've been waiting for all the way through, has now come. It signals the very purpose and the reason. Did you hear that language in Jesus? This is why I've come. This is the very reason I'm here. Three things about the thunder of Easter this morning, very quickly. Number one. The thunder of Easter signals the judgment of the world. You know, as Christians, we often think of the judgment day as a long way away into the future. At the end of history, then there'll be a judgment day. That's how we think of the judgment of the world, isn't it, often? And when we think about the cross of Jesus, quite normally, we don't even think of it in terms of judgment. We think of it in terms of our salvation. But here... Jesus is referring to that hour, to that moment, and he says, now, not way off in the future, but now is the judgment of this world. It's ironic, isn't it? Because surely the world was passing its judgment on Jesus, wasn't it, at Easter, as Jesus hung on the cross? They gave their judgment about Jesus. They were making judgment all along. Who is this man? Maybe is this, maybe is that. No, in the end, crucify him. They were making a judgment about Jesus, but on, in another sense, the cross was the judgment of the world, wasn't it? Because the cross showed us as a humanity in our true colours. It showed us our capacity for evil. It evidenced our rejection of God, and it said of our humanity, guilty. I was reading a book some time ago by a, a guy called Henry Blocher, uh, a book entitled Original Sin. And as I was reading that book, it really opened my eyes afresh uh, to what um, I think John is saying when he speaks about the judgment of the world. This is what Henry Blocher says. He's reflecting on, another, on other human atrocities than the cross of Jesus, but this is what he says. He says, "...the century of Auschwitz and the Gulag, as it comes to a close cannot close its eyes on the state of affairs. It has been fully demonstrated, especially, that the worst of torturers do not belong to a separate category of monsters. Most of them, he says, were decent people, ordinary folk, good neighbours, 
good fathers, but circumstances brought to light what they were truly capable of. Isn't that true? I remember watching a film about a young boy. He came from a poor suburb, a poor family, but he was a talented boxer. And it's an interesting film because it shows just how attractive joining the Nazi party was. Because for him, it was a ticket to success. It would provide for the needs of his family. And as you watch this film, you can't help but think, if I was in his shoes, I would have done exactly what he did. You see, we all say, don't we, well, I'm not really that bad. But here's the truth of it. We all have within us the seedbed of sin. All of us have that same seedbed of sin within our hearts and it only takes the right sunlight, the right moisture, the right circumstances for those seeds to sprout and bring forth their fruit. Isn't that true? And so sometimes we even catch ourselves because we realise all of a sudden, what have I done? I didn't think I was ever capable of that. But there we are, and there we find ourselves. Well, if that's true of other horrific events in history, how much more is that true of the crucifixion of Jesus? It is our condemnation, is it not? This is the verdict, John says, that light has come into the world, but as people, we love darkness instead of light because our deeds are evil. And so we stand condemned already because we have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. No, we didn't even believe in Him. We crucified Him. And yet, there's another judgment, isn't there? That's taking place on Good Friday in the thunder of Easter that the Lamb of God was taking away the sin of the world. That's why the curtain was torn in two. That's why the cry of dereliction, the cry of desertion from the cross, that's why Barabbas went free and Jesus died and rose again because he didn't die for his own sin, he died for ours. Easter, the thunder of Easter, is that this was the moment of the judgment of the world. And then secondly, it was the casting out of the ruler of the world. Again, it's interesting that John doesn't record the exorcisms of Jesus. You know, all in the other Gospels, you read it over and over again, Jesus is casting out evil spirits and unclean spirits here and there and everywhere, but not in the Gospel of John. John just has one big one, this one, the thunder of Easter. He says, now is the time isn't it, for the casting out of the ruler of the world, the ruler of the world. It's a cosmic thing that happened on the cross, the ruler of the world. It's another way of talking about Satan or the devil. Now, John says in another book, he says, we know that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Peter says, the enemy, uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the book of Job depicts Satan as 
roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth. But it also depicts him as one day coming with the angels into the very presence of God to present themselves before the Lord. It says, and Satan came with them. The book of Revelation, again written by John, calls this ruler of the world the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night. But it also says that he's been hurled down. And so now Satan knows that his time is short. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. So Satan has been cast out. Where is he being cast out from? Well, he seems to be quite active in the world, but he's been cast out from the very presence of God because he has no he doesn't have anything to accuse us with. Because the written record that that legal indebtedness that stood against us has been nailed to the cross. His God has disarmed the powers and principalities and the authorities, the devil himself, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, the cross may seem like the devil's triumph, but it's actually his defeat. Like a game of chess. You know when you play chess? You know that there's a few more moves to be played out still, but you know when the decisive move has been made. That's the cross of Jesus. There's still some action on the board, but Jesus has won. He's been cast out. The devil has been cast out. And then thirdly, you'll notice here in verses 31 and 32... We also have the drawing of all people to Jesus. When I am lifted up, Jesus says, I'll draw all people to myself. Now, I ask the question, in what sense will all people be drawn to Jesus when he's lifted up on the cross? Because it doesn't appear to me that all people have been drawn to Jesus. Would that be fair? And surely this passage itself, when it speaks of the judgment of the world, is clearly saying that not all people are going to be drawn to Jesus in his being lifted up. If all people were to be drawn to Jesus in a saving way, we call that universalism. And that's a heresy. And when you think about it, it's not even a nice idea. So what exactly does Jesus mean when he says that when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Well, the context here is that some Greeks have come to Jesus in verse 20. And so Don Carson, one Bible commentator, says, all people here means not all people without distinction, uh, sorry, it means all people without distinction, not all people without exception. In other words, it means Jews and Gentiles. And the cross is the critical moment, isn't it? Because when you read through the Old Testament, it's like one big record of God's heart for all of humanity, for the whole world. He wants people to come in. But it's also a record, isn't it, over and over and over again of Israel's failure. Israel's failure to attract other nations to God, to Yahweh, their God, His beauty, His glory. They come in dribs and drabs, that's true. The Queen of Sheba came to Solomon. Ruth, uh, um, Rahab, 
Nineveh. There were other nations that came to Israel and Israel went to, but by and large, Israel failed because they didn't, they weren't, didn't live much different to the rest of the world. No, only in the death of Jesus does the kingdom of God come to the globe. Only in the death of Jesus does the kingdom of God turn from centripetal to centrifugal. See, the nation of Israel was meant to be like a magnet in the middle of the world and all the nations would flock to it and discover Yahweh, God. But now, it's not so much the nations coming to the church, it's the church going out into the world, scattered, isn't it, as missionaries. And Easter is, is a missionary event, isn't it, because it's drawing all people to Jesus. Only in the death of Jesus is the curtain torn and the, the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles is taken down. And now the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. And the church becomes multi-ethnic, multicultural, multilingual, multiracial. Sir, the Greeks said in verse 21, we want to see Jesus. And verse 32 screams, doesn't it? Yes, you can because Jesus will draw all people to himself, not just the Jews, not the, the sheep of this pen, Jesus says in chapter 10, but I've got other sheep as well and I'm going to draw them. They'll hear my voice and they'll listen. There'll be one shepherd. Caiaphas prophesied that the Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation, but for all the scattered sheep of God to bring them together and make them one. But the Christian church hasn't been very good at this, has it? Not in Rome, not in Galatia, not in Ephesus. In fact, all throughout the ages. We've struggled with this from the very beginning. But John depicts the certainty of Jesus drawing all people. The cross will break racism and prejudice and classism and tribalism and parochialism. Because in heaven they'll sing a new song. You are worthy, our Lord and God. You're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. You see, because Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even a death on a cross... Therefore God highly exalted him, raised him up and gave him a name above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus will draw all people to himself. Can you hear the thunder of Easter? The judgment of the world, the casting out of Satan... The drawing of all people, I want to tell you this morning, that's just the rumbling. It's just the start of the storm, isn't it? Because they're just penultimate. The ultimate thing is the answer to Jesus' prayer here. That God will be glorified. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. All of this is just the start of the storm, isn't it? Where God's going to get all the glory. One of our children was born 
as New Year's Eve was turning into New Year's Day. And we thought that the fireworks in the background was quite fitting as the contractions came and went. But the truth was that the fireworks had absolutely nothing to do with the birth of our child. And you might feel like that about the thunder of Easter. It was a long time ago, wasn't it? And it was so far away that surely it has nothing to do with you or me. But nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus says here in verse 30, what does he say? He answered, this voice, this thunder, this sound like the angels has come for your sake, not mine. Jesus was already determined to go through with the cross. No, this voice, this thunder of Easter is for us. It's saying, what happened back then? This is for you. For you. So that you don't need to be condemned with the world. So that you don't need to be accused by the devil. And so that you, in all of our ethnic diversity scattered across the globe, can be drawn to Jesus in love and forgiveness and salvation. Can you hear the thunder of Easter? It's wonderful, isn't it? It's for you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.